0: I said, what are you singing tonight? She says, I find no fault. And I said, I requested it. <laughs> and I did. I really did. All right. Again, so glad that you're here. And, and by the way, just in case you don't think we arbitrarily canceled service on Wednesday night. It's New Year's Eve, and I thought that was the right decision to make. So don't think we're just like all of a sudden calling canceling services. I don't want you to think that. But I do want you to take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 12. We're going to finish up tonight Um, What we talked about this morning, that that message. And and this morning, I hope you got that, that we talked about how giving relates to worship and worship relates to to giving. You know, unless you're doing a a self-handshake, unless you're doing this, you know, it takes two, it's an engagement. That's the way it is with giving and worship and worship with giving. They just naturally go together. And tonight what we want to look at is the second part in Mark chapter 12 and verse number 41. We want to talk about giving and how it relates to faith and faith and how it relates to giving. And then the last one is, is love and how it relates to giving and giving how it relates to love. Okay? And and like I say, it was really cool how God changed that this morning. It was basically the same part we were going to teach this morning, but I really felt the need to do a gospel, a real strong gospel presentation, and uh, hopefully that is exactly what happened this morning. And we hope and pray that someone, perhaps God was drawn into the family or is in the process. They're on that journey toward that star and will know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, and what we have in Mark chapter 12 um, is an incredible story. Now, again, look at me get this, okay? Get what God's Word is saying tonight. This is for us. Um, You know, Bill, you're saying about a smaller crowd, you know, and I said, well, one thing we know for sure, I think we know this pretty well, that everybody who's here wants to be here, and I don't believe in accidents, which means you're here um, by God's sovereign grace, and so that means that God has something for you today and something for me from the Word of God. Now, this is an incredible story. Um, In Mark chapter 12, Jesus, there's a couple times when Jesus just goes over the top, and this is one of them. The other time, believe it or not, is when a lost Gentile okay a Roman centurion exercised great faith and said you don't need to come to my house just say the word and my servant will be saved and and you know Jesus said that's just incredible that's unbelievable it's amazing that when it came to faith it wasn't the story of how his disciples or this or that or religious elite it was a Gentile lost Gentile that that Jesus said wow what faith is that and this is one of the other times that Jesus is just blown away and he's blown away, not by a large and prosperous gift that was given, but what would someone say, a very, very small gift. And here's the deal. Here's one of the first take-homes. Jesus thought this was incredible. And I've learned in my journey with Christ in, in you know, almost 40 years now of journeying with Christ and pastoring, teaching the word of God, whatever wows God ought to wow us. See, see whatever God loves, we all love, and what God hates, we ought to hate, and whatever just wowed Jesus, we ought to be impressed with. So it's an incredible story, yes, but it needs to impress us, it needs to impact us, it needs to change us tonight, because I think that's what Jesus, exactly what he would want to happen. Now, in verse number 41 of Mark chapter 12, this is just, if you can just get this picture, The Bible says, sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how, notice that word there, it's very important, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Now, one thing about a Baptist church particularly, we're very secretive about our giving. I mean, we, you know, again, I I assure you that, that you know, Vicki Blackman, our financial manager knows, the county committee knows, but very, 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 very few people ever see what you give to the church. I certainly am not privy to that information. But here is Jesus sitting across from where they would drop their coins in, their offering in, and he's watching. He's watching. It's just incredible to me. It's almost funny. It's all humorous. It wasn't accidental. It's like he placed himself in front of these, these receptacles and would sit there watching how the people gave. Now, this would have been in the court of the women in, in the temple area, in the temple court. It had been in the court of the women, and men and women could go in the court of women. Women, you were not allowed to go any further than that. And on the walls would have been 13 trumpet-shaped offering receptacles. And the people would come and they would put their offerings into these receptacles. I think the key word that we need to focus on first is that word, how. Sitting across from the temple treasury, sitting across from these 13 receptacles on the wall, Jesus is watching. He's watching how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. And then he just adds a little side note and gives us this, Mark does. Many rich people were putting in large sums. So there's an important thing to note that, one, that it's important Jesus was watching how, but he also noticed that a lot of the richer people were putting in large sums. And that's exactly what you expect to happen. Not because they were generous, but because of the wow factor. The wow factor, not the wow factor of Jesus, the wow factor of, hey, look what I gave. Hey, look, look what I did today. And apparently, the how factor there, how it happened, is they would often go, apparently, they would go and they would give coins, so that when they dropped these coins into these um, trumpet receptacles, it would make a lot of noise. There's a lot of pomp. There's a lot of circumstance in the offering that they gave, and I think we need to have a warning there. I really do, because Jesus is noticing how they gave. It must be important how we give. Now I want you to go ahead and take your Bibles and look over Mark chapter six, verse number one. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter. <laughs> it's it's, it's Matthew chapter six, verse number one. Let's look and see how should we give? How should we give? Since Jesus was watching how they gave. How should we give? And Jesus addressed this on the Sermon in the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, verse number 1, he says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people, and here's the key words, to be seen by them. The the offering that these people would give, they wanted credit for it. They wanted people to know, look what I did. And so Jesus says, when you practice your good deeds, when you practice your righteousness, be careful that you don't do it, to be seen of others. In fact, he goes further. Otherwise, you'll have no reward from your father in heaven. So if, if it's our practice, when our giving to make sure we receive recognition here for it. I hope you enjoyed it because that's it. When you get to heaven, there will not be the Father, there will not be Jesus going in the giving department, well done, good and faithful servant. If you, your, if you want your recognition here, if you want people to know what you did here, if you say, hey, look what I did here, you won't get what Jesus is saying, look what you did there. Okay? Very significant. Come on. Y'all have been to plaque churches, haven't you? I, I'm not talking about churches their teeth cleaned. Plaque. Get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about this pew dedicated, this microphone dedicated, this, pool, this roll of toilet paper has been dedicated. You know, people you know, in honor of... I mean, you go to some churches and there are plaques over everything. People want people to know what they did. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Listen, if you do that, you've got no reward when you come to heaven. Verse, three, verse 2. So whenever you give to the poor... Whenever you do an act of charity, whenever you do something from someone, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. In other words, when you give, don't sound the trumpet. Don't call attention to anything that you might have done. I assure you they've got the reward. So, when you give to the poor, when you do your act of charity, when you do your act of kindness, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, what you do for others should be done in secret. It should not be public knowledge. So that your giving may be in secret, and when your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't don't know when the Father says, I don't know how in heaven it's going to work out, but I'm telling you, I know what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that, that if we will do in secret here for the kingdom there'll be a reward there. And if we do publicly what we do here, the reward we get here, the recognition is all there's going to be. That's just what it says. So so when he's looking, he, he's, this is the guy, this, this Savior of ours is the one who cleansed the temple from the money changers because of the abuse of money that was going on there, uh, the exorbitant exchange rates and all that. So, so that Savior now says, listen, be careful how you give because if you are a reward in heaven... You can't have it both ways. You can have a reward here and a reward there. You've got to choose one or the other. And you choose the one there by doing what you do in secret. So he watched as these people give, and, and back, in, back in Mark, and they were giving, some were giving, rich people were giving, large sums. Now, again, that's to be expected. That's to be expected. Now, about now, someone's going, oh, I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Again, spell rich. Does that start with an R? But you've got to keep in mind, guys, listen, in America we are. I'm sorry, in America we are. So many of us, almost virtually all of us. Again, most of us live in the top 4% of the people in the world. A lot of us live, even tonight in this group, in this crowd, live in the top 1% wealthiest people in the world. We are the rich. We are the rich. And Jesus says, in that case, you know, it's just expected that we would give a sizable gift. So so Jesus is sitting there. He's watching. People are lined up. They're clunking their offerings in. Everybody's going, did you hear that? Did you see that? Can you believe that? It was just an amazing sight. And then it happened. And then it happened. In verse 42, the Bible says this. And a poor widow... Now, widows back in in those days, there was no social security. There was no system underneath to undergird them. If, If they, you remember the widow at Nain we talked about at Easter time? The widow at Nain, she was obviously, had lost her husband, and then she lost her son. There was no government. There was nothing. There was nothing there to support her. She was totally destitute. This is the type of woman that we see here. A poor widow who had probably lost all her support came to the trumpet Receptacle, And she dropped in two tiny coins, which we know as the widow's mite. Jeez, I've got one at home. So when in the church actually gave me one. Actually, two people gave me. I have two of them. And, and I, she said, You ought to bring that to show how small it is. And this is so cool. I read this in one of the commentaries. And I'd never heard it defined this way. Now, a damaris was, was one day's labor. So if you got paid a, a damaris, it was one day's labor. Okay. According to the commentary, one mite, one coin, was equal to one sixty-fourth of that day. In other words, each widow's mite was worth six minutes of labor. So what this lady gave, if you took an average day laborer, they would work for 12 minutes to give what this girl, this lady gave. Not very significant, is it? 12 days or 12 minutes out of a 12-hour day, not very significant at all. And yet, you're fixing to see how Jesus was incredibly, incredibly blown away by what this woman gave. So she drops this 12 minutes of time into the offering receptacle, worth very little. And he summoned his disciples. Now, now they were distracted. I'm sure Judas is over here going, we need to enlist that guy. We could really use his money. You know, Jesus is over here. He's, got, he's taking names and saying, we need them. You know, he had the purse. He was in charge of that. Maybe Peter was over here gawking, going, wow, I just can't believe. Did you hear that sound? Did you hear that sound? Do like, you realize what we could do with those kind of funds? They were distracted by what was going on. And by the way, <laughs> woo, this just came. That's what public outcry giving does. It distracts from what's real. When, when a church is all about, do you know what they gave? Do you know what I gave? You know what I gave? That's distractful to true worship. Just, just a word. So the disciples were taken away. They were distracted. And he summons them together. And he basically says this. Did you see that? And Peter may have said, do you mean the big gift? No, 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 no. Well, yeah, the good gift, but not the one you're talking about. And maybe Thomas, you know, I, no, I, no, I doubt that was really what he's talking about. You know, Daniel Thomas. Did you see that? Did you get that? And here's what he said. I assure you, this poor widow has put in more than all those giving to the temple treasury. Now, I, I got to thinking about that. And again, it's not really true in the English, and I did not do a Greek study on it. But he could be talking one two ways. The first was this. She gave... Percentagely, of course, proportionately, more than any other giver. Okay? Or she gave more than all the other givers combined. She gave more than all the ones that was given. Wow. A lady who had virtually nothing gave more than everyone else. And then he explains what he's saying. For they gave out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, has put everything in she possessed, all she had to live, to give, live on. So proportionately, she gave out what percentage? 100 percent. 100 percent. The rest of, you remember the, the, the rich people with their gifts? they were giving out their surplus. This lady comes along and gives out of her poverty everything that she had. Now, she had two coins, and, and she could have given one. That's true That's true in a logical sense. She always had a choice between one or two. But legally, she had an obligation. She did not have to give both coins. But she did. But she gave out of that poverty level. And, and she gave what she had to live on. So, so let me ask you a question. if, if she gave... All that she had her two and she gave everything she had, and all that she had to live on. How is she going to buy bread the next day? She didn't know that, did she? Uh oh, Terry, what'd you say? Faith. That's what this story's about. God is not saying, "Go home. Let's let's just blow this lottie moon and go. Call your bank in the morning, transfer all your funds from that from your savings account to your checking account, okay? And we'll just blow lottie moon away tonight." That's not what he's saying. He's, this lesson is all about faith. In other words, giving should involve faith, and faith should involve giving. That's what he's teaching. That's what he's saying. It would be very difficult for a lot of us in this room to give out of our surplus, because our surplus is big. I remember talking one time to one of our individuals and said, I don't even know what that means. You know, there's so much surplus, she wouldn't know how to give out her surplus, or not give out her surplus, because her surplus was so large. So, may I make a suggestion to you? Is it possible that maybe God's saying tonight, we should give until we start giving out of faith? That won't be everything. But there will reach a point where you can give to ministries, and give to this ministry, and give to Lottie Moon, and it will involve a step of faith for you to do so. And I believe that's biblical. We should ask God, God, what He wants to do. And I promise you, because the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. We are people who walk by faith and not by sight. So, so faith and giving is just all over one another. It's like a big glob here. It's all over it that when we give, it should some involve some kind of faith. And unfortunately, I really believe in America, because of the abundance that we have, it rarely does involve faith. It may involve us making a financial decision, but it doesn't involve faith, because the offering that we've given no way impacts our standard of living. No way. It's not even as well, I don't want to be able to eat McDonald's because I gave. I won't be able to trade cars next year because I gave. I won't be able to do this because I gave. It's just not there. Most of us sitting in this room tonight do not have to make those kind of decisions. And I just wonder what we're missing. What are we missing when our giving involves no act of faith? It's just simply out of the surplus. I'm glad God didn't say give everything away. I'm not sure I could do that. But I think I can give so it involves faith. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to, to, to do? I not really... Very good, brother. Amen. Yeah, that's good, Bill. Amen. That's very, Thank you for interrupting. No, that's very good. That's very good. So, you know, Bill, you know and I were talking about we're not a full house tonight. And I said, well, although people want to be here, I know, and you said something like, I know the believers are here. So this is a good crowd to hear this message because the average, you know, ch- chances are the average Sunday morning person or a person who comes once a month probably would never grasp this. But in this room, there's enough power of people with faith to say, okay, God, I'm willing to try this. You show me me what you want me to do. Help me to give by faith. So faith and giving and giving and faith are interconnected together. Worship and and giving and giving and worship are interconnected together. Now the last one is this. The last one is giving and love and love and giving. Now, watch this. This is pretty good. We had the, the, uh, the three magi, the three kings, the three wise men, the 30 wise men. We don't know. But do you remember what I said this morning? They opened their what? you remember? They opened their treasure boxes. They opened, and I said, really? It was their wallets. It was how they carried their, their, their assets around. They opened their wallet, and they didn't dump and give it out. They gave out their surplus, but they also gave in worship. Okay? So, so the wise men... Gave on one level, but they still worshipped and gave and gave and worshipped. The widow comes along and that contrast to that and gives everything she has. She opened her wallet and literally dumped it out. All two mites of it. And then Jesus goes, wow, she gave everything that she had. Now I want to tell you what Jesus did for us. Now, I love it. I don't know who put the verses in Bibles. It was done about 100, 200 years ago, 300 years ago. The guy divided the verses up. But how incredible that happened to follow on 1 John 3.16. 1 John 3.16. I love this. This is how we've come to know love. So, so John writes and says, okay, we didn't know love. This is how we've come to know love. Now, you remember the illustration, and I'm assuming it's still valid, how they teach a bank teller how to recognize a counterfeit $100 bill. And and I told you they don't show them this is a counterfeit bill, and this is a counterfeit bill, and this is a counterfeit bill, because there's eight zillion counterfeit bills. They show them the real deal, the genuine article Tracy, And that person studies that real deal, and when they study the real deal, They recognize the counterfeit. So John says, this is how we've come to know love. John's going to show us how we can recognize what true love is. Here's what he says. This is how we've come to know love. He laid down his life for us. If you want a picture, if you want a portrait, if you want to take the artist's pen and draw a portrait of love, you'll find it on a Roman cross where the Son of Man willingly lay down his life for sinners like us. That's what love looks like. And we need that because, come on, we don't recognize love sometimes. Do you remember when you were young and fell in love? And they call it puppy love. Implying, we didn't, listen, I was 13. I may have been heat, but I wasn't in love. I mean, anything, you know, any girl, hey, I love you. It didn't didn't take me a month. It took me like two days. I was in love. Well, I had no idea what love was. But then I met her. I knew what true love was. I knew what true love was. As she she loved me, I learned to love her. And we experienced that that true love together. It wasn't the 13-year-old. love. It's now the 38-year-old love. Together. So, So John says, this is how we come to know love. If you want what true love looks like, you look to the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? He's only begun Son. And he didn't give him to just come. He didn't come just to put on a human body. He didn't come just to live a sinless life. He didn't come just to die on the cross. He didn't come just to die on the cross. He came to resurrect and to ascend and promise to come back. What does true love look like? God gave his son for us. For us. Incredible. Now, look what John does. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers. So, so... John says, this is how we came to know love. We, we, we looked, and, and John could say, I was there. I, I saw the nails. I saw the spikes. I was standing with his mother when, when he said, uh, Woman, behold your son, and son, behold your, your mother. I was there. I heard these words. I saw this. John was a witness to this. I mean, this is what we know. We know what love is. I saw it on a Roman cross. And he says, we should also lay down our lives for our brothers. Now, can I just be real candid with you? There ain't one of you guys I go to the cross for. Okay, maybe you. You do cook my clothes. You, know, cook, my clothes. you cook my clothes and wash my food. <laughs> no. But John says we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And then I almost think he gives us an explanation. As it's almost explaining what he's trying to say, you know, we might say, John, can you tell me exactly what that looks like? Because I just don't see me taking a bullet for my brother. I just don't see me taking a nail for my brother. Can you tell me what that looks like? And it's almost like John says, Sure. Here's what it looks like. If anyone has this world's goods, and that would be us, and sees his brother in need, but closes his eyes to his need, how can God's love reside in him? Uh, John, what does it look like to be willing to die for my brother? Oh, it's really not as hard as you think. It's being willing to love him enough to give. It's loving him enough to share. You know, you know for instance, if you, have, if you have goods, you have world goods, and you see one of your brothers, or and I think almost brother being like a person, And you see a need there, and you have the ability to meet that need, and you do it. That's kind of like laying your life down. But then he he really puts it in a different term because he says, but also this. It means you've got the goods. Gosh, boy, America, there's enough Christians in America to fund every missionary who wanted to ever go. The problem is not there's no money. It's the problem we just won't let go of it. It's the truth. So so he says, it's like we got the goods and you know the need is there. You know the need is there. But look how the Holman Christian Standard words it. But closes his eyes to the need. It's not that he doesn't see the need. It's not that he doesn't know the need exists. He goes, what need? I don't see a need. Then he says this. How can God's love reside in him? I mean, God so loved the world that he gave? And we see a need and we close our what if God has closed his eyes on us? What what if God had said, I see the need, but there's no redemption because the price is too high? The cross, the pain of the cross is too hard. Aren't you glad he didn't close his eyes? He didn't. He gave. And John says, this is what it looks like to lay down your life for your brother. You, you have the ability, and you choose, and you choose, and you choose to use what you have to meet that need. Giving, love, love, giving. It's just the way it is. So it is. And if we don't do that, how in the world can we say God's love abides in us? It's almost like it's a rhetorical question that demands a no answer. It can't. And yet in America, it's worse now. I can't remember what the number is. It was, you know, 10% of people give 90% of the gifts. It's worse than that now. It's like, it's like 7% give 93%. You know, missions, the missions, again, Judy, I'm proud. I'm glad, yay, that we can say that we're number four, number five, whatever we are in Latin new giving. But Judy, what about those large, large churches that are in Illinois? I'm not pointing, I'm not going, yay, Dorisville. I'm just saying. How is it that churches, how is it that we as individual believers in Christ can hold so tightly to what we've got while people are dying and going to hell? How is that possible? That's a real struggle, isn't it? It doesn't make a lot of sense. There are missionaries who want to go on the field, but they can't go because they can't be funded. And if you're outside of Southern Baptist circles, there are missionaries who knock on church's doors week after week after week after week. Will you please support me so I can go? I'm glad we do the Southern Baptist way. But the bottom line is we have missionaries who want to go who can't be funded. And there are certainly a lot of independent missionaries who want to go who can't be funded. How can the love of God abide in us? Giving, love, love, giving. So in verse 18, John says this. Little children. Isn't that tender? Little children, we must not love with word or speech, but with truth and action. In other words, even in this early New Testament setting, he says enough with the talk already. You know, once again, God's army is the most trained army there is. We're just not real good at going to war. And we are the most the we are the wealthiest churches in the world. We're just not real good at sharing that wealth. Little children, we can't quit the words. We gotta quit the talk in love with truth and action. See, it's never a giving problem. Now, now, I I just almost feel like this is so uncharacteristic for me to talk on this topic from this pulpit. So I feel almost like i got a pause. I am aware we're one of those generous churches in the state. I am aware of that. But I also know also that we need to teach the Word of God. We just need to do that. In Dorsville or in First Baptist or Bankston Fork or the Presbyterian Church or a little chapel, there's not a giving problem. There's a heart problem. There's no such thing as a giving problem. There's always a heart problem. It's it's either, it's either one, we're not sure of how we worship and how it relates to giving, and so we try to worship and not give, and that doesn't go together. Or maybe it's a, we're willing to give, but not to the point where it involves faith. And so that might be it. Maybe it's the love thing. But the bottom line is, it's a heart issue. Here's is what I know, and you know it too already. If your heart's right, you don't have a problem giving. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I've heard of people, um, I can't afford to give, I won't give, there's Blake Luke, I'm not going to give, okay? But I've never met a person with a really, really good heart, sold out to God, surrendered heart, who has a giving problem. It's a heart issue. I think Jesus said, what did he say? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And theirs, it was in the box. They opened their treasure box and gave out of that abundance. But Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. I'm so cool because, you know, and I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 6, you know, Paul says, now now hold on, don't don't go ballistic on me here. Because he says, you know, God gave us all things to enjoy. Okay, so it's not like, again, we're not going to take a vow of poverty and wear robes and chant to one another. But God is calling us to worship and give, to give in faith and faith and give, and to give in love. Because the reality is... That this world is filled with people who are going to spend eternity in a Christless hell. And the only way they can go and the only way the work can get out is if there are funds available. So where our treasure is, our heart's going to be. The question I guess tonight is then, where's our treasure? I mean, I don't have it on me, but I like my iPhone 6 Plus. But I can definitely tell you, first off, it's way too big. And secondly, it's not my treasure. Where's our treasure at? So, little Dorsville. As we worship, are we willing to give? And as we give, are we willing to make it part of our worship? Little Dorsville. Are, are, are we willing to, to give as an act of faith? And in faith, are we willing to give? Dorsville, Dorsville. Are we willing to give in love? And love both Christ and others as we give. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Let's pray. Thanks for your word, God. I think there's about 70 people here, Lord. You're looking down from heaven, you see all seventy of them. It may be 60. And why this message tonight, you know. It sure seemed like it needs to be talked. And you changed it this morning. So it's for this group. So Father, I want to pray in Jesus' name that you will help us by faith to give and to give in faith. And God help us to love. When I think of the video this morning, and I know, Father, that that they gave and they went and didn't even see it as a sacrifice. But, God, one, if you call us, help us be willing to go. And, Father, if you challenge us to give, help us be willing to give. Father, I long for the day. Well, yes, we long for the day. We long for the day. Every missionary who wants to go will never have a financial concern holding them back. Father, I want to thank you for the generosity of the Dorsetville Baptist Church family, but challenge us, Father, this year. And I'm not, Father. You know my heart, and I will say it for the benefit of these people. I'm not talking budget. I'm talking, Father, offerings. We'll get by on the budget, Father, as the people are faithful there. But, Father, for Annie and Lottie and World Hunger and state missions and save families, Father, help us to be found faithful in our giving. And help us to do it well, quietly, secretively, just as your word commands. And to you will go the honor and the glory. And Jesus, we ask this in your name.